Welcome to A Friend of Mine, a series of conversations with some incredible and inspiring women in business from regional and rural Australia. I'm Kimberly Finesse, your host and the founder and editor of Oak Magazine, and I cannot wait to introduce you to some amazing female entrepreneurs who will share with you their experience and knowledge of what it takes to start, grow and scale a successful business. So let me introduce you to a friend of mine. Karen Hollenbach is the founder of Think Bespoke and revered as the LinkedIn lady. As a mother of two preschoolers, Karen took a brave step from corporate career professional to business owner in 2010 in an effort to carve out a more flexible career, enabling her to leverage her skills and be present for her boys. What began as a resume writing service grew into LinkedIn profile writing for job seekers and self-discovery workshops for professionals in the mid-stage of their career. Karen is now one of Asia-Pacific's top 10 LinkedIn experts. Karen shares with us how she started and grew her company, her insider tips and strategies on optimising your LinkedIn profile, expanding your network and content creation, as well as how to position yourself as an expert. Meet my friend Karen from Think Bespoke. Hello, Karen, and welcome to a friend of mine. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. It's my absolute pleasure. Now, we're both Victorians, which uh, makes us very unpopular to say at the moment with COVID. (laughs) How are you feeling about this second lockdown? I'm feeling okay uh, because I do, I think I've learned to adjust in the first one, but I would say that I have a lot of people in my community who live in Melbourne who are really wobbly. So I'd say I'm not indicative of um, the people around me. And why am I okay? I don't know. I think it's just um, an acceptance really of what I can control and what I can't. Yeah. Yep. Well, why don't we go back a little bit then and tell us about your career background. So how have you come to where you are today? Well, I'm a corporate escapee. So in a previous life, I did work as a strategic marketing manager for an FMCG, so a fast-moving consumer goods brand, which some of you might know as um, Stolichnaya Lemon Rusky. It was a company called Diageo, but I was a rep out on the road when Stolly was launched, which was a really interesting time and many moons ago. So I progressed through that organisation, eventually worked um, out of the Melbourne office, but for um, the national business, working with some global brands. That was an amazing experience. Uh, And I managed to go on maternity leave twice during that period. And so when I was on mat leave the second time, I actually uh, had enrolled and started to retrain as a secondary teacher because I decided that I really couldn't manage a pretty demanding corporate job with children. And I don't think you can have it all. So it was the start of me really re-engineering my career. And so I was very fortunate to receive a redundancy. Um, when I was on mat leave for the second time, which just bought me the space to retrain as a secondary teacher and um, continue to grow my babies, who were both under three at the time. So I had a five-month-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. So I then um, was given an executive outplacement program, which was when I was introduced to LinkedIn. And at the time, it was really um, my opportunity to escape uh, for a day with really young children and rely on my beautiful mother-in-law and um, I went to the professional development that that provided and that's when they introduced LinkedIn to me and said look this is a platform that's coming so this was like 2008 right this is a platform that's coming you should be on it so as my baby sort of got older and I started to think about I finished my studies I was thinking about how I was going to re-enter the workforce I actually decided to establish my own business so I used LinkedIn 
to really stay connected with all the other people I'd worked with in corporations um, and to network. And for anyone who's just started their own business, you really don't have a significant sales and marketing budget. So it was how I sort of raised the profile of what we did. And right at the start, I was a sole trader and just providing um, resume writing services. Then we moved to LinkedIn profile updates. Then we started to do career coaching because people were really interested in how I'd career transitioned. Then I started to use the LinkedIn company page feature and content marketing as a tool to um, sort of how I showed up on LinkedIn. And it wasn't long before I had people in my community say to me, could you do for me what you do for your business on LinkedIn? So in 2015, um, I got my boys were sort of both at school. Um, and so I got quite serious about my business. Think Bespoke became a company and um, we now have three parts to our business. So we've got the, the um, LinkedIn training, which I'm very still very much involved with, with individuals and organisations. We've got the career management services and I now have a, a job search and career coach that works with us. And we're doing as much as we can in the current environment to help people who've chosen a redundancy, including or been, you know, stood down or unemployed at the moment, which is happening across the board. Um, so that's been a really interesting time recently. And then the third part of the business is just that sort of content marketing strategy and showing people how to navigate LinkedIn, but also just connecting all their dots. So their website, their email marketing. So we don't do all of that for people, but certainly we advise and advise and consult in that space. So really just sort of Stratcom, um, strategic comms background, and then a mother who wanted to participate really, really actively in her children's life. And I think running my own business has allowed me to be present with my mm -hmm. children while also engaging really meaningfully in work. And I thought it was teaching at the start. I really felt like doing my grad dip in secondary because I had an undergraduate degree in um, marketing, business marketing. So I felt like doing the teaching thing was quite righteous. And, you know, when my children asked me, what do you do for a living, mum? I could say I'm a teacher. Um, but <laughs> I quickly realised it's a very tough gig and I would have been required to really do my apprenticeship. So um, I was asked to be involved um, at the same time as I kind of chose that redundancy and was tinkering away with LinkedIn profile writing and resume writing. Um, I was asked to be a trainer for a boutique consultancy. So I did that for two or three years when I first established Think Bespoke and I think it really gave me the confidence to have an identity outside of my corporate self and to really think about, well, who is Karen Hollenbach and how does she want to show up as an entrepreneur? And certainly I look at new businesses starting now and I think, wow, there's so much pressure on you to have a great website and have beautiful branding and do your professional photo shoot and have a great Instagram feed. And there was just none of that when I started my business. It was just, uh, you know, have a LinkedIn profile, maybe have a Facebook account um, and just get out there, go to networking events and pitch yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, do you use the other platforms then as part of your marketing or are you Absolutely. solely on LinkedIn? Yeah, no, I do. So my primary platform is LinkedIn and as a content marketer, I um, do view the other platforms as playing a definite role. So Instagram's really where you can just get a sense of me as an individual and work out if you like me or not. <laughs> <laughs> so you do get a sense of, which is real right you've just got to give people information about yourself that will help them help reduce risk to make a decision about whether you're for them so Instagram um, doesn't necessarily generate business for me but it's one of multiple touch points um, my blog has been probably the most significant part of what I do so it's it's really got a very much a how-to focus 
And I'm very much known for that sort of helpful LinkedIn you know, I might just ask Karen the question and she'll probably answer it for me. And then Facebook is really the domain of the career management services we offer. So I very much see that as more of our consumer services, whereas what we do on our LinkedIn company page is more for our B2B and our organisational services. And I really enjoy Twitter as a platform too, but I tend to use that more as a source of news. And because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of activists on Twitter and because I have a real interest in Indigenous um, rights and what's going on in that space, I really do enjoy uh, reading the conversations over on Twitter. I don't really engage as much as, um, you know, the marriage that other people use as their sort of relationship with Twitter, but I do really see Twitter as a great source of news no, I agree with that. Now, in terms of your business, so you started out as sort of a, you know, solo entrepreneur and you now have a team. Um, you know, was there any sort of hurdles that that you went over to to get to where you are today? There were heaps. And, uh, you know, I started collaborations with people. I started partnerships with people. I started brands with people. We built websites. We, um, yeah, so I learned so much and, I, you know, we made not necessarily mistakes, but just errors of judgment in that being the right path and the right sort of focus. So the model that I've landed on now is very much a collaborative one. So Think Bespoke has two employees, myself, full-time and a casual, um, who's actually my niece and a fantastic videographer. And then the rest of our team, there's five others who are, four or five others who, depending on the month, who are um, contractors and separately and individually run really good little businesses. So I've got a LinkedIn profile writer, a copywriter, um, a graphic designer, head of online content solutions, um, the career coach and job search uh, mentor. And that just seems to work well for all of us. And I just couldn't get my head around. I I wanted to do the work and I wanted to work with great clients and I couldn't work out. I didn't want to be um, someone that managed and led a team. I did that when I worked in the corporate world and uh, I wanted the flexibility to just show up in my business or not show up in my business. So one of the key things I do is I try to take at least 50% of school holidays off. Um, And so having people manage different parts of the business allows me to do that. That's what I was going to ask as well, Karen. Like, did you ever envisage having a team? But, um, and I know sort of being in a similar industry as yourself, just with my first business that you do, you get to that point where you can't do it all unless you're going to put in massive hours, Um, you know, and it's a really big step to engage the right staff and the right employees. Uh, Like, was there any trial and error through that or have you just been so very lucky? Yeah, no, absolutely. And lots of really uh, robust conversations. So um, I nearly went, I did go into partnership with one person around sort of a, a part of my business and uh, we both it just didn't work like we both just and it, it, we're still in contact and friends it just wasn't right for the two of us and I think it was really diluting um, the impact I was having in Think Bespoke um, I nearly uh, again might like if I look at sort of the three divisions within my business sort of the first time and the second time I looked at sort of doing a partnership and and because I have great relationships with the people that I work with and our values are aligned and, and we're very open and honest with each other, when we started to talk about how we would go into the agreement and, and what sort of the split would be based on my intellectual property and theirs, um, we realised that probably the subcontracting arrangement allowed us to do great work with great clients and reduce our overheads because we weren't trying to maintain a brand outside of Think Bespoke. And it's interesting, you know, because I, 
I see the sort of the trend being, well, the trend used to be, I think COVID's sort of changing everything and, and, and there's some, in a good way. I think it's changing some of these things in a good way. There used to be this pressure to sort of scale, um, to be able to deliver a lot, to sort of maybe take on the big team. And when I really started to think about the type of work I wanted to do, I was happy to reduce my margin if it meant bringing in great people to do the work and delivering great outcomes for my clients because ultimately it meant that those clients would still refer me and I would get more work over time. But that's a journey thing, right? Like I've been in business for 10 years and I think um, I have been asked the question, are you a for-profit organisation or a social enterprise? And I am very clearly a for-profit organisation, but I do spend probably about 20% of my time either actively involved with uh, not-for-profit initiatives that other people lead that I'm involved in or connecting people to help them get more work. And so I sort of had to resolve, when you run a business, you've got to resolve your ego versus your profit goals versus like, what am I actually trying to do? Like, what difference am I trying to make? Um, And I also think like this might sound very sort of philosophical and deep, but I didn't kind of arrive, you know, it's taken me 10 years to kind of get to this place to kind of say, well, why am I showing up for work each day and how much money do I want to earn in order to feel like I'm making a contribution and doing a great job? And I think that's really different for everyone. Yeah, it is. Uh, It's that question of, you know, how am I helping the community or how am I helping people that I think I think about all the time? And just reflecting back on COVID and and why I can't remember the last six months, to be honest, and obviously at home just doing remote learning with the kids. But what was sort of making me anxious in that was I was feeling like I wasn't playing a role in society. Like I wasn't contributing at all because, you know, I had to put the mag on pause. There was no way I could do both. And suddenly I just, yeah, I questioned that myself. Like when I wake up, you know, what am I providing? Like what value am I providing to other people? Uh, And yeah, does it light me up? Yeah. And I think it's a great question because you've got to ask yourself. So I've been following you uh, for quite some time, uh, longer than I have had Oak. I would even say around 2016. So I started my first business in about 2015. And I suppose it's because you had established yourself as an industry expert in LinkedIn. Um, Like how have you been able to position yourself as, you know, the voice of LinkedIn as such? Well, no, it's an interesting question because I didn't embrace the title of expert for a very long time and I have a beautiful sort of inner circle mastermind of three women that the three of us in non-competing but sort of very similar phases of our businesses and um, we we sort of catch up regularly over a, you know, big glass of wine and um, I rejected the concept of expert at the start or when I first started to get labelled that way and it took one of my you know, inner circle comrades saying, if people identify you in that way and they view you in that way, you just have to thank them for it and, and accept it. So <laughs> like, okay, that's fine. Because I'm a lifelong learner. So as a so as a trained educator, I philosophically believe I've always got something new to learn. But as my colleague said to me, well, you can still be an expert and still learn new things. So it was my mentor at the time. And it was as I was sort of emerging I think I'd established the company. I can't remember exactly what year it was, but I did make a conscious decision to focus in on LinkedIn. And the reason why I did that is um, Marina, who's Italian, said to me, Bella, your knowledge of LinkedIn is deep 
and broad and the way you approach LinkedIn is unique like no one else I know. You have a diamond in your hand and you need to shine it. And Marina's just one of these people that whenever she says something, she's right. And I knew that from sort of other conversations I'd had with her and I thought, what have I got to lose? I'm just going to go for this. So at the time, I basically rewrote my LinkedIn profile, made sure it focused on my LinkedIn expertise, made sure that I spoke really clearly in all elements of my profile about um, what I did, how I could help and what I believed, and then made sure that all of the content I shared and my blog focus and all of the workshops that I ran were very LinkedIn focused. And it's been really interesting because I'm a LinkedIn specialist within a particular space. And so I've learned to cultivate my industry expertise based on the clients that I really like to work with. So um, even within the LinkedIn space, my competitors know what my specialty is and I know what their specialty is. But from outsiders who are not, a, you know, who are not uh, perceived LinkedIn experts, they maybe wouldn't understand the nuances. But I feel like even from when I've put a line in the sand around LinkedIn, I've niched even further within the type of LinkedIn training I do and the type of client that I'm suited too. And I think what also helps um, with my expertise is I genuinely believe in LinkedIn as a tool for business. And there are some really key reasons why I love it. And one of them is that the amount of time that I spend on LinkedIn versus other platforms and the return I would get. So I could spend the same amount of time on Facebook and Instagram, but spend the equivalent amount of time on LinkedIn. And I feel like I get a much greater return for my efforts. So um, it's really a commercial decision as well. And HubSpot did a study, uh, I think it was back a few years ago now, but it showed that um, B2B conversion, so um, businesses working with other businesses, uh, is 300% uh, higher <laughs> than other platforms. So it's not just sort of me that finds that spending time on LinkedIn is good for your business. Yeah. So let's just unpack that a little bit. First of all, I think we all need a marina in our pocket. Um, yes. Well, she's available. She's a career coach. She's my career coach for Think Bespoke. That is perfect because I think, um, you know, listening to someone validate, you know, how good you are at what you do and, you know, that comes through years of experience, uh, you know, of where you are and everything. So, yeah, I need a marina. Um, yes. You know, the fact that is it women do you think that hold back from calling themselves an expert compared to say men? Well, or? that's a really interesting question. So I don't, um, I don't like talking about gender as a rule because I think that women have, um, some women can have masculine tendencies and some men can have feminine tendencies. So I think that there is definitely a personality type. So the label of industry expert, I think some people are willing to embrace it and they're not even an expert. <laughs> so I think it's something that is first given to you. I don't think you can. Um, so it's not like I, I, it's not like I walked away from that conversation with Marina and went, I am a LinkedIn expert. I walked away from that conversation with Marina and said, I need to focus all of my um, conversations and comms and, and the way I show up on LinkedIn and the way I show up in my email marketing and the workshops that I run, they have to be LinkedIn focused. So I think you start building your expertise when you make a decision about what do I want to be known for. And so if you can just ruthlessly focus on what's the one key thing I want to be known for, it will ultimately help you cultivate your expertise over time. So I say to clients often, and, and I think we'll talk about this when we talk about um, 
you know, what's best practice for sort of how to write your LinkedIn bio as an example if, if, if we choose to cover that. Um, it's really saying what do I want to be known for and who am I trying to influence? So at a really simple level, I just made this decision. If anyone in my community said, oh, I really need help with LinkedIn, you know, blah, 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 it, everyone would say, you need to talk to Karen. So I think because I'd like to think I don't have an unhealthy ego. I definitely have an ego. If, you, if anyone tells you they don't, they're lying. But I think I come from a place of serving and I come from a place of helping my community. And so the expertise sort of fell out of it as the default of me saying, I want to, I want to be people's number one go-to when they're seeking help with LinkedIn. And so it really helped me when I went to networking events because people would go, what do you do? And I would, this is my pitch. I help people with LinkedIn. And that's all I say. And the minute I say it, the person just says, oh my goodness, I've got a question about LinkedIn, da, 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 you know, and they'll just, they're off. And anyone that knows how to network well knows you've just got to get the other person talking about what their needs are. And then you listen actively and you either work out how you can help them or you find someone else that can. That's like 101 of networking. So I think just that ruthless focus on, you know what, I can help people with LinkedIn meant that it's all I talked about. And then I got the label. So someone else called me the LinkedIn lady and I've now inherited that and, and use it in some of my copy. In 2018, I got identified by the Social Media Marketing Institute as ranked as 18th, um, 18th leading LinkedIn experts in Asia Pacific. And then in 2019, I think I became eighth or I landed in the top 10 oh, or sixth, that's could be sixth or eighth. So yeah, so it was a peer review really that identified me in that way and so it's only been in the last maybe six to 12 months that I've been happy to identify myself in that way but even if you looked at my LinkedIn if you look at my LinkedIn profile it says uh, I think LinkedIn specialist trainer and it was only when COVID hit so this would have been late March I finally put in my headline you know in the top 10 Asia Pacific LinkedIn experts so it's to even though I had that label since I don't know, two months earlier, <laughs> I sat on it for a while. You had to get comfortable with it, <laughs> try it on, see how it fits and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had to get comfortable with the discomfort actually. Yeah, but that's a very good way of, um, of putting it. So let's get into then some, I suppose, LinkedIn tips that can help those that are listening. Why don't we start off with... I suppose, why business owners should be on LinkedIn because I feel that a few that are listening are like, I have a clothing store. What's the point of me being on LinkedIn? Yeah, and I think that's a sort of a valid statement. So I do think it has more of a B2B um, focus. I think that if you're in professional services, so if you're a lawyer, accountant, um, et cetera, it is probably more suitable for you to be active and posting content but in terms of your digital footprint and being found online you've just got to come back to this concept that if someone typed in your name in a google or a yahoo search um, what do you want to come up about you and so do go to a library um, or do go into incognito mode on your phone on your um, laptop or jump on someone else's phone and google yourself and just see what comes up because LinkedIn is such a big platform with so much activity, it is highly likely that your LinkedIn profile will come up first. So I guess the first thing is for that retail store is you want to be in control over the information that's available about you online as a professional. 
And at the very least, you just want to make sure that when people land on your LinkedIn profile, they can see exactly what you do and just point to wherever you want them to go. And the LinkedIn featured section allows you to do that really easily now. Um, it's also the first place where a lot of people do research when they hear your name. So they'll actually jump on LinkedIn and type in your name and try to look you up. And if you believe the concept that people do business with people they know, like and trust, which I really do, people like to refer people, they like other people to be successful, then you should write your LinkedIn profile in a way that makes it really easy for people just to pass on your details. Um, so for that particular business type that you mentioned I don't think they necessarily need to spend a lot of time there. I think they just need to make sure their LinkedIn profile represents them accurately. And sort of the, the um, I think, inverse or the flip of that for me is you can go and look me up on Facebook as an individual and it will say in my profile, look, I don't hang out here very much. <laughs> I actually say that. I don't hang out here much on this platform. If you want to find me, you can find me over here. So you've just got to really think about people's online habits and make sure that if they find you on LinkedIn, they're actually going to be pointed in the right direction. Whereas if you are that professional services business, then I'm really going to look up your profile and have a look at what your previous experience was and see if you're credible and see if we've got any mutual connections. And I might go down to the bottom of your profile and have a look at all your skills and see how many people have endorsed you. And I might read your recommendations and see what other people have said about you. It's almost like a individual's very own Google review so it's, it, there is not lots of opportunities on your LinkedIn profile to have social proof of what other people think of you and this is really what LinkedIn behavior is like for those that don't spend much time on there it's probably one of the first places people just kind of check you out and look you up they'll then make their way over to Instagram and they probably will also look at Facebook and my hope is that um, if you're not active on any platform, that you've got your privacy settings locked down um, and that you're in control of where you sort of want to point traffic. Definitely. Now, in terms of our bio then, so that, that first bit that people see, so our name, our photo, all of that, what is some best practice, like top level best practice? So write in the first person. So don't write it like it's a third party writing about you. Do write it that it's you writing about you. So I see people make the mistake of, you know, Karen Hollenbach is a training LinkedIn specialist too. It's, you know, you actually need to address the reader. So write in the first person. The second point would be understand that people can only view the first uh, two to three lines of your LinkedIn profile about. So I really do use the, um, encourage you to use that to address the person that you're wanting to speak to. But even before diving into you know, what's the best way to use the about, I think um, you've got to answer two questions before you A, spend any time on LinkedIn and B, um, tinker on your profile or tend to your LinkedIn garden, I like to call it. And that is what do I want to be known for and who am I trying to influence? And that you're really, once you can answer those questions in the context of your LinkedIn profile, um, you just write for them and for that and nothing else. Because, um, and you should do the same on Instagram and all the other platforms, um, but it just means that what you do right is more relevant and powerful. They're two fantastic questions, Karen. Um, and it's actually two questions that I think I'll sit on at the weekend and have a little bit more of a think about. But I do know that I updated mine as well, um, especially the what do I want to be known for? And, mm. you know, the subject that I want to talk to. And it was, yeah, I'm passionate about women in business. 
So it's only recently that I updated my profile to reflect that as well. I have a little note every six months just to make sure my profile is still uh, representing me in the way that, in the you know, encouraging conversations that I want to get into at that particular time. Yep. We change as people and, you know, our businesses and the direction that we want to take and, yeah, just always editing. There's nothing wrong with a little bit of editing. Always. I like that. Always editing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Writer, definitely always editing. Um, In terms of that photo, though, I think that's the first thing people see. I mean, it almost goes without saying to go and invest in a professional photographer, though, and maybe not grab your wedding photo and cut the husband out. Like, (laughs) just... (laughs) goodness sake <laughs> go and get a professional uh, so I'm, yes I may have a Pinterest board dedicated to LinkedIn headshots and I may have collected good ones over time um, because this is really where people struggle so yes I see the wedding shot and I know you looked fantastic but it's not what you're going to look like when I meet you and I see the sort of you know that old style of professional photography that was almost the glamour shot Um, I see some of those shots sometimes too and think, no, like like you look gorgeous, but that's not what you, exactly what you look like when I meet you. And look, I had professional shots done and I have to say, I don't blow dry my hair every single day, but I do mostly look like I look in my professional photos. Um, so I just would encourage you to have a sort of head and shoulder shot. Make sure you're wearing something that I would expect to see you in when I meet you for work. And really use the opportunity. For, I mean, the professional photographer is your best option. And I'm sure you've got um, some great photographers in the Oak magazine, um, in your Oak uh, business community. Uh, I, and so you, everyone sort of knows who their sort of go-to is. Uh, but I would just really also hazard you um, sort of, sorry, recommend you don't include photos of you on holiday. I see that quite regularly. I know you were feeling really relaxed, but we don't necessarily want that vibe on your profile. And also just consistency. So if you are active on Facebook and you do have um, an Instagram account or a Twitter account, just make sure the profile photo you use is consistent across the board and also your website photography. Just consistency is really important. Mm. It is in anything in marketing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. So now what are some different ways to connect people? So yeah, I've got that LinkedIn profile. I actually need to grow, I suppose, my audience, my connections. What are a couple yes. of different ways that we could go about that? So the two ones I love the most are, well, there's three really. The first one is I want you to think about every, anyone you've ever worked with that you're currently working with, that you're currently in conversations with, that you went to high school with, that if you studied after high school that you went to um, uni or TAFE or wherever ever that you studied if you went on to further studies, I want you to think about fellow footy mums, soccer mums, netball mums, and I want you to connect with everyone that you know. I want you to send them a personalised message, so not just flick out a connect via your phone. And just reach out to them and say, look, you know, I'm expanding my LinkedIn network, thought I'd reach out and invite you to connect. Because people do business with people they know, like and trust. And I said that earlier and I think that people make the mistake of not realising that their LinkedIn network and the people that already know them is probably just as important as their potential network because when you're sharing content, It's the people that are already your advocates that already know you are going to like and comment on your article or your post and then all of their community will see 
your update if they happen to be on LinkedIn that day. So I, I mentioned this step because I see it as um, an oversight by many people because remember then if you connect with people on LinkedIn, it doesn't mean they're your friends. It doesn't mean you endorse them in the same way it might on a Facebook page. So if you had that boss that you didn't really love and you haven't accepted the invitation, you know, the Facebook friend, invite them to be a LinkedIn connection. Some of my previous bosses are the ones that have got me into the best conversations for Think Bespoke and my business. If I think back on um, how LinkedIn and my connections have created opportunities for me. The second one, there's three, is to have a look at um, the Instagram conversations that you're having. Um, If you're on Twitter, if you're on, God forbid, TikTok, any other platforms, think about, you know, where you're having conversations or engaging with people and have a look at who your followers are and look them up on LinkedIn and say, hi, you know, I thought I might reach out and say hi to you over here because you can't tell a lot necessarily from people's Instagram handles. I mean, it depends on how well thought out your Instagram plan is but you can get a really good look at people from their LinkedIn profile. So that step is called connecting your channels and just thinking about the conversations you're having over on other platforms. And if you're a business that has an email list, um, have a look through who's signing up to your emails and make sure within that connect your channel step that you're actually inviting individuals that are on your email list to connect. You're really personalising your brand when you do that. I hadn't thought of that one. I love that one. Yeah. Yeah. And someone said to me, that's a bit stalky, isn't it? And I said, well, I'm the one that writes my email marketing, but emails are always from me. If someone signed up to my email list and then within the next month I sort of go, hi, and I just say, hello, thank you for signing up to my um, e-insights. I see that you're also in Australia, (laughs) if they're not in Melbourne. I see that you're in Melbourne. I thought I'd reach out and invite you to connect. So there's no salesy transaction here. It's just thank you. Yeah, you know, and like it's you've, you've all to do with that note as well, isn't it? Like just mm, customising yeah. it um, and not just the personalisation. Yeah, yep. Be human. Have a conversation. View LinkedIn like a virtual room. Don't view it like a sales transaction. Think about DM conversations you have in um, Instagram. It's the same sort of concept. And then the final one, um, and you can only do this for the last five people that have looked at your profile if you've got a free LinkedIn account you've got a premium account this is one of my favorite features have a look at who has been looking at your profile and if they're a second or third degree connection so that means you're not currently connected to them and they look of interest for whatever reason so don't be transactional but just they might be of interest for whatever reason just reach out to them and say hi LinkedIn tells me you're recently looking at my profile I thought I'd reach out and invite you to connect so LinkedIn just like this big virtual room right the other thing I do is remember when we used to go to in real life conferences? Oh, uh, I don't know, actually. It's been a while. <laughs> I'm so, having withdrawals. <laughs> so we, um, the other thing I used to do is as I was, you know, when you get like a booklet, relate, like you arrive at that sort of conference and there's this sort of boring first, oh, look, I shouldn't say that, but the keynote comes out and you sort of, oh, my gosh, I just want to get to the person, the reason I came here or whatever, or leading up to that conference, I tend to go through all the guest speakers and all the people that have organised the whole thing and I slowly just make my way through that list and send them an invitation to connect and just say, hi, I'm currently attending or I will be attending um, the event coming up. Um, I thought, you know, I'm looking forward to hearing your session. I thought I'd reach out and invite you to connect. Now, if the conference you're going to is within your industry and the people that you're reaching out to are industry leaders. I generally find if you've paid to go to a conference and you're telling them you're coming to listen, they will accept your invitation to yeah. connect. 
So yeah. that's a really good way to, to connect to people that, you know, you might have a, a, a bit of a sort of crush on um, that you think, oh, this person's amazing within their industry and just be really human with them. Um, you know, even if you have people that you follow and that you might listen to their podcast or you might, you know, read them however they sort of show up online, don't be afraid to reach out to them and just say, um, hi, I'm a huge fan. I, you know, see that you're now, I see that you're actually also publishing on LinkedIn. I've been following you over here. I thought I'd reach out and invite you to connect. So there is nothing wrong with doing that. Where I see um, why I'm not offering a fourth step, which is do a search on all the type, you know, all the types of ideal clients and then just do a transactional reach out oh, <laughs> in mail is I just find that really, really tacky old school marketing. And yes. it wouldn't be my first suggestion in how to engage a potential no client (laughs) no and I honestly it's just uh, probably the last 12 months have loved you know listening to people on podcasts like Kate from Adore Beauty and there's a couple of other big names and reaching out to them and sending that note and saying you know hi I just listened to your podcast love this little bit you know um, hope to connect and send it off and then they you know connect back now for me it'd be the ultimate if um, any of these sort of people came and wanted to collaborate or work together but it levels me up as well so surrounding yourself with leaders in the industry you sort of feel like wow yeah like you can learn off them and improve who you are and that's where LinkedIn's great so if we go back to that first retail store that you know may or may not need to be on LinkedIn or certainly should have a profile but may not need to spend time on there it's worth just checking out who your industry leaders are and what their presence is like on LinkedIn, because at the very least, I see so many people that use LinkedIn as their new source. So they actually curate that, you know, they, they know who they're following because you can follow all these people. You don't have to be connected to them. So you can follow them. And if anyone ever follows me, each week I'll sort of turn around and go, thank you so much for following me. I thought I'd also reach out and invite you to connect because it oh, just feels nice. weird to me. Yeah, like, it does. Just, yeah. You know, just let's just be connected. Um and that's only because I write regularly. But you'll find most of the world's leading thinkers are on LinkedIn. I really enjoy the content that comes through LinkedIn. Yeah. Thoroughly yeah, enjoy so it. So do I. Yeah, which probably is a beautiful segue into to the type of content you can post because I find myself, Karen, I almost have like a bit of imposter syndrome on LinkedIn, perfectly okay (laughs) on Facebook and Instagram. Like I can actually be myself on those platforms, especially with Oak. Uh, But then I get onto LinkedIn and I get sweaty palms and I think, oh my God, is, do I have any right in saying this sort of stuff or should I write on this topic? And I just hate it. Yeah. I hear this often. And yes, you absolutely have a voice and a right. And I want to hear from you more often on that platform. Um, I want to see you turn up on LinkedIn more. So I guess um, herein lies the opportunity with LinkedIn and that people are just not 100% sure about how to navigate it. So it just comes back to this idea that I was talking about when I, how did I sort of nurture this LinkedIn expertise and where did it all start? You just need to think about Uh, what were my answers to those two questions? What do I want to be known for and who am I trying to influence? And then you need to look at the different content types available to you on LinkedIn and I'll I'll just sort of take you through a few of them and then work out the one that you're most comfortable with. So if you were a really savvy LinkedIn marketer, I wouldn't be saying to you, work out the content that you're most comfortable with. I'd be saying to you, this is the content that's, you know, the algorithm's loving at the moment. But that's not relevant for this conversation. You have to think about, well, I'm comfortable writing an article or I'm 
I'm comfortable sharing the podcast or I'm comfortable, you know, what sort of content do you want to share there? So you then need to look at, am I going to drive most of my conversations through my LinkedIn profile or am I going to drive most of my conversations through the company page? And what's the difference anyway? And I'd say in most cases, in most instances, it would come through the profile first, but you certainly need to be thinking about how you're building your community via the company page. Because if I'm connected to you as an individual, that does not give you a right to promote to me. But if I follow your company page, you've got greater permission to, you know, tell, not sell your services, but promote what your services mm. are. I so think then I've you been kind doing of say, the wrong well, way, Karen. So I've been posting well, the stuff on the company page, so the podcast episodes. <laughs> yeah. I go silent on my own profile. I don't know why. Yeah, but that's <laughs> what you – yeah, but it's just about comfort levels, right? And it, it, that's why I'm sort of saying to you maybe what you could do, it's it's right that you're posting it from your company page, but then maybe what you need to do is like, comment or share on your company page content and say, oh, you know, over on Oak, over there, you know, and you're allowed to use emojis. More and more people are using emojis on LinkedIn. I don't love them. I think they're more Instagram territory. And I certainly don't like the, want the block of 30 hashtags like people do on Instagram. Um, yeah, so from your profile, there's sort of two ways you can do it. So the first way is that you can just have so much go on in the private messaging that we've sort of talked about. But from a content point of view, you need to decide three topics that you're going to engage with. So let's use you as an example. One might be regional women in business, one might be women in business, and one might be something else as an example. I'm just sort of making that up. So you would therefore follow authoritative sources via your profile that commentate on these topics. And you would um, unfollow everyone else on your feed that really didn't share content that you find particularly valuable. And you would curate your newsfeed. So as your newsfeed came through, when you popped onto LinkedIn every day or week, you would either like, comment or share on the activity that's coming through your feed. And I love sharing this tip because I think people feel like, and you've talked about a little bit of this tentativeness, I've got to show up by posting content. So yeah, it would be great if you did post the podcast and that you did post a LinkedIn article, but just start by liking and commenting on things that are consistent with what you want to be known for and who you're trying to influence and just kind of practice the LinkedIn content muscle first until you get comfortable with how your community might engage with that content. If you find a really good article, so I do Google alerts on my three topics. So I have saved Google alerts. They come into my inbox. And if I read a really interesting article, I will then go over onto LinkedIn and say, oh, look, I've just you know, found this article, it's really useful for this, this, this. And I'll mention the organisation or I'll mention the person and I'll share it with people. And that's just a ruthless focus on what I want to be known for and who I'm trying to influence. Um, and then I use the hashtag, like I always use about five hashtags, you know, two, three or four are related to the topic. And the fifth one is location-based hashtag. And sometimes I'll have a, you know, silly just saying you know like a playful hashtag it depends on what sort of mood I'm in and the content I'm sharing because we really don't want to take ourselves too seriously Um, and then it's just practicing that so I would start with share other people's content first start with curating your newsfeed liking and commenting set up google alerts make sure you're then sharing information about content and topics that you care about and then finally think about what promotional content but organizational based or marketing based content 
you want to share that might be driving people back to your website. Do you feel like that helps that you prob- that you have a clearer roadmap as to ha- what you might do on LinkedIn now? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I'm actually Good. feeling a little bit excited by it now. I think Good. you really hit on the right word. It's a tentativeness. Of- yeah. Yeah, just thinking, oh, is this the right content to post? But love it, just breaking it down into, say, those three topics as well. Um, But I was just thinking and maybe a little shout out to Ali and Libby who are from Kindly Darling in Tamora, New South Wales. Look, they have a fashion fashion bricks and mortar store with a really big focus on sustainable fashion. And like they're both on LinkedIn and always popping up with articles and commenting on things. And I think it's a beautiful way to build that women in business network for them as well like I can see how that works for them and you know making connections and then leveraging it for their PR as well so yeah and it is um I think we have the opportunity as women in business to go beyond our brand and to share what we care about so for me that is um right now in this moment helping people uh with who are just uh, facing unemployment. So for me, Mm. I can just see a whole lot of people. I think in 72 hours, 1 million Australians became unemployed and it's, it's going to go from bad to worse in Melbourne as we speak. So, um, I stepped out of my normal sort of LinkedIn marketing. Um, you know, I've, we've always helped people in the career space, but I, I never really talked about it because it was always, um, in the last five years, it's always been Marina delivering it. But from the minute that COVID-19, um, started and I started to really appreciate the impact that it was having, I just stepped into the space of, um, I guess what everyone, we've got this job application toolkit. You can normally buy it from the website, but it's for free. And I just shared that as an update and I've sort of consistent, I've probably done it about five times or three times over the period. Um, I also care deeply about the Indigenous Literacy Foundation. So when the Black Lives Matter um, sort of whole conversation started popping up, um, every time I heard someone sort of say, I don't know what to do about this, or I'm not sure what to do, and I don't know what my perspective is, I just kept mentioning, oh, you should check out the Indigenous Literacy Foundation. <laughs> oh, you should check out the Indigenous Literacy Foundation. So I feel like LinkedIn's kind of this intersection of, your, it's very much your brand, but your profile is also, you know, I am, this is what I believe in, this is what I'm passionate about, but in a commercial context. So not let's have a rant over on Facebook or let's make it look really pretty pretty over Instagram. It's probably more of a, this is my point of view, you know, this is how I can help or this is how I can see other people helping. And I think for you, you have a great opportunity to showcase people within your community. And if that's how you choose to show up with content posts from your profile, I think you've got heaps of permission to promote other people. Yeah, and maybe that's where I've just got confused with my talk, thinking that I need to talk about myself or need to give examples of my point of view compared to what I'm doing on the other platforms, which is celebrating other people, which is just so much more comfortable. You can do that on LinkedIn too, though. Like you just follow their pages, follow their posts and just like and comment and reshare. It's easier. Oh, definitely. (laughs) I think that so many people take so many tips away from this sort of back end of the conversation. I know I have. Um, I've got two more questions. The first one is just more of a myth buster, Karen. It's, you know, if I have an article, say on my website, (laughs) do (laughs) you know what I'm going to (laughs) ask? I get asked this all the time. Sorry, that's a really evil laugh. You are an expert, a LinkedIn (laughs) expert. I need to hear it from, um, from you. It, am I allowed to pick that up and post it as a uh, LinkedIn article? Is that right? 
Absolutely you are. So can I, can we rewind? Why would yeah. you not be allowed to? I don't, I think the myth has been that Google would penalize us for having duplicate content on say LinkedIn, as well as our website. So yes, I think from a pure search point of view, that would be correct. So if we had, you know, um, gurus in this space commenting, they'd be yelling at me if I didn't acknowledge that. However, we are not Coca-Cola, we are not Telstra. And so with due respect to our, (laughs) the impact our websites are having on Google, um, what I do, so I'll just sort of tell you what my protocol is. I tend to publish my uh, website, publish my blog to my website because if I was going to be given the choice, I would like my website to be ranked first not my LinkedIn article to be ranked first. However, the reality is because LinkedIn is such a massive platform and so much bigger than my little Think Bespoke website, it is going to win hands down in in indexing every single day. So um, I think I'm more interested in user experience. So if if I publish something on my blog, I will then post it from the company page. I may also then post the link to my profile. Um, and then I will, because uh, I publish quite regularly my blog, I don't publish on LinkedIn as a LinkedIn article as regularly. Um, I will then work out what is the LinkedIn version of that because I'm quite familiar with my blog audience. Whereas over on LinkedIn, I would be more inclined to sort of tuck it in a little bit and I would tailor what I was saying to my LinkedIn audience. So the Google indexing or cataloging or whatever the technical term is, it's correct that it would get indexed differently. And I don't know sort of the technical ter- terminology, but from a user experience point of view, I just want them to be on both. Yeah. Yep. Have I, I mean, I feel like I've sort of confused you with the answer to that question, but. Um, I think it just comes down to the fact that we're not Coca-Cola or Telstra. Yeah. <laughs> that it's okay yeah, to be both. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I've got this article. So as an example, I've got this article, which is identical on my blog as it is on my uh, LinkedIn profile and it's had 100,000 views on um, as a LinkedIn article and it's had nowhere near those views on my website. It's still one of my most popular blogs on my website. I'd love to tell you I had 100,000 views on something but I don't. And I think it's just a common – and so what's happening is uh, the LinkedIn platform's so big that it's getting picked up over there much more than it's getting picked up on my website but it's still driving traffic to me ultimately. I mean, I think driving traffic to your profile is gold because I it can is. see when people yeah. have been looking at my profile. Mm. Well, <laughs> I'm glad. That was one of my top questions. I'm so <laughs> glad that from an expert I know what to do now. <laughs> Just do it. And I think it's um, more please be focused on user experience and, yeah. and that first rather than worrying about this sort of stuff because I, th- I want you to do both. But I do have – I'll send you – I've got a – because I get asked this question so many times, I've got a blog sequencing one pager, which kind of talks you through the order in which I think you should do it. Oh, that's fabulous. I think that's a really common question though for for most marketing, isn't it? It's like, you know, I've written a blog post, now what? And it's like, yeah, but you could share that in your email newsletter. It's all about repurposing yeah. that content. Oh, we yeah. work so hard on those blog posts. They don't just Put it into happen. visual quotes. So oh, my gosh. Do. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Pull quotes yeah. out, use them on Instagram. I mean, you know, there's even YouTube. I think a lot of us forget 
YouTube as a platform um, and how we could maybe work that back into. Well, it's just as searchable. And if you look at yeah. the, like, writing a description and the meta description and the H1 and the H2 and all that sort of stuff, apparently YouTube's just as searchable. Mm. I would love to do podcasts with video. Um <laughs> But I have a really bad thinking face. I think it's called um, <laughs> bitch resting face. You should do it. I'm sure it's not bad. <laughs> oh, look, I could actually ask you so much about LinkedIn and I'm sure that everyone else has so many questions. So I think um, they can all just go to your blog because there's so much valuable free content there. And then, you know, go and invest in a course with with yourself, I think is so worth it to understand how LinkedIn works, best practice, all of that. But finally, I would love to know who is a friend of yours that we need to know about? Yes, I love the idea of sharing this with you. So I have a beautiful human being um, who goes by the name of Kath Connell and she has been my, well, she started off as my business friend, but she's absolutely my friend friend now. And um, she runs a business in the hills here in Melbourne called Wholehearted Marketing. And so the name of the business might give you a bit of a hint about what she's like. And the reason why I think people need to know her is uh, she's the person that I have written a marketing plan with since the inception of my business. So, you know, when you first decide you're going to spend some money on your business, I think uh, doing a marketing plan with Kath was my first real investment in my business. And it's funny because I am a trained marketer, but I do believe in surrounding myself with great people. And so she she runs these quarterly um, and annual retreats that allow you to do your marketing plan and of course she does them virtually now. So Kath Connell, Wholehearted Marketing, she now has created this downloadable marketing planning tool and it's something that I've used within my business every single year. I'm fortunate enough that I live near her so I can do the retreats as well but I highly recommend it. She's a beautiful hand holder um, and just an all-round lovely human being and she just really you know, we've touched on things today around sort of tentativeness and and the reality of having a lot of moving pieces in all of our lives, especially during COVID-19. And so her approach to marketing is very holistic, um, which I love. And it makes you really think about all the things that I said at the start, you know, how do you want to show up in your business? Why are you really doing this? What difference do you want to make? Um, and I feel like every time I do my marketing plan, I sort of return return to myself and um, and can really create a marketing plan that um, makes me feel proud of how I'm showing up in my business each year. Oh, she sounds like a, a wonderful friend to have. Thank you so much, Karen, for being a guest on our podcast. And I cannot wait to follow you online. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Now, before you take off with all that inspiration and knowledge, we'd love for you to leave a review on our podcast so that we can continue to amplify women's voices in the media. And if you have any questions, we'd like to celebrate a win. You can always connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Oak Magazine AU. I'm so glad we've met and that now you know a friend of mine.